Good morning, Mars family. This morning we're reading from Luke 24, um, verses 13 through 21. In your shed Bible, that's page 975. 975. Now that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about everything that happened. And as they talked and discussed these things with each other, Jesus himself walked along with them, but they were kept from recognizing him. And he asked them, what are you discussing together as you walk along? And they stood still, their faces downcast. One of them, named Cleopas, asked him, are you only a visitor to Jerusalem? And do you not know the things that have happened here these days? What things, he asked. About Jesus of Nazareth, they replied. He was a prophet, powerful in word and deed, before God and all the people. And the chief priest and our own rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. And what is more, it is the third day since all of this took place. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks. Hey, everybody. The Lord be with you. Um, my name is Troy. Happy to be with you today. Uh, quickly, I want to give you a little bit of an update of something happening in our house. It's not what you thought I might be going to, getting ready to say. Um, our daughter Maggie likes stickers. And it doesn't sound very profound, I know. Um, she particularly likes Peppa Pig stickers at the moment. <laughs> the creator, Peppa Pig, here. Um, and typically we sit beside each other and she'll go through a sticker book and she'll point to what she wants and I unpeel it and I hand it to her and then she takes the sticker and she puts it onto another piece of paper. Um, just sort of the way that we do it. But she's doing this thing, you guys, where she piles all the stickers on top of each other. She's got all this paper real estate and she does a two and a half inch pile of stickers all right there. It's amazing. I'm fascinated by her little developing brain. But I find it troubling. My perspective, anyway, is that I, I can't see past that first sticker. And I have a hard time seeing what's underneath it. I have a hard time getting an idea, what's the compelling story you're trying to tell with this sticker arrangement? That's obviously what she's trying to do, right? My poor little daughter is quickly learning that her dad's brain has been hijacked by efficiency, productivity, pragmatism, poor little girl. But I have a hard time when I look at this, I go, there's all these characters and images and little doodles, and I can't make sense of it. I can't pull it apart. Sometimes when I'm reading the Bible, I feel like I'm looking at a big giant pile of stickers all just put right up on top of each other. And I have a really hard time untangling it. I have a hard time separating this character and this character and this image and this scene. And particularly when I'm reading stories about Jesus, I feel like I'm just looking at a big pile and I just put things together that I don't think go, does anybody get this? Thank you so much. It really is at times the blind leading the blind around here. 
Part of what we want to do in this series that we're in is to try to look at some stories from the life of Jesus, particular isolated scenes, and see if we can't pull them apart a little bit. See if we can't pull some of the images out. See if we can't separate some things that we might get a little bit of clarity. That we might be able to look at some isolated episodes, some moments from the life of Jesus, and get some clarity that we can pull. Does that make sense? That's some of our aim in this. And one of the primary questions that I'm bringing to the text today and to this series is I'm trying to ask, what is Jesus doing when he interacts with people? And then how does Jesus' relationality teach us and guide us? How can we be more like Jesus in the ways that we interact with one another? Week one, Ashley invited us to consider Jesus and a desperate woman. Denise invited us last week to consider Jesus and ordinary people. And today, I'm going to ask that we would consider Jesus and the spiritually discouraged. Ready to start? Great. Uh, <laughs> all of that, and then wah, wah. Um, Susie read for us the beginning of this episode, about the first half. This particular story that we heard today, it's only found in the Gospel of Luke. Luke is the only person who tells this particular story. Two people are walking along to a village called Emmaus. And um, this is happening on the same day that some women have gone to the tomb of Jesus and discovered that it's empty. And so these people are walking along and they're talking about the things that have happened over the past couple of days and then somebody starts to walk along with them. Now we get the benefit of a narrator throughout this story and the narrator gives us lots of interesting details we're gonna see. But the narrator here solves it for us and tells us the person who's walking with these two is Jesus. But these two people who are walking together, the text tells us that they're kept from recognizing him. It's an interesting little detail. Ask Denise to solve that for you next week. But what we find here is that as they're walking along with this person, they start to explain all that's been going on. And they're a little bit surprised because this person who's walking with them doesn't know what's been happening. And they're really shocked by that. How could this possibly be? It's been reshared, retweeted like crazy. It's the only thing that has been on these people's mind for a couple of days. How is it possible that this person who's walking with them doesn't know? But all the same, they start filling in the blanks. Jesus of Nazareth was put to death by the chief priests and the rulers. So they begin with the facts, and then very quickly they transition and they move to why this matters to them personally. And then we come across what I think is the saddest, most sobering couple of words in the whole Bible. But we had hoped. But we had hoped. Verse 
When I imagine eavesdropping on this scene, I imagine we come to this phrase that it's whispered. I imagine there's like some hesitation here. There might even be, there might even be a little bit of embarrassment that these people are admitting we, we, we had hopes. We hoped that Jesus was the one. We had hoped that Jesus was the one that the prophets promised. That Jesus was the one who was going to put everything back together. That Jesus was the one that our ancestors for generations had been waiting and longing for. We had hoped. And my guess is that many of you understand this sentiment really well. My guess is that many of you have said, that many of you have whispered something like this before as well. We we had hoped. We had hoped that we would have a child by now. that we had hoped it would be different this time. We had hoped that we would have more time. That we, would, we had hoped that the results would be different. It, we had hoped that friendship could be repaired, or we had hoped that that marriage could be healed. We had hoped that we could trust this person we had hoped. I wonder, I wonder how you have dared to hope. How have you dared to hope? And, and then, how have you been discouraged in the face of those hopes being unrealized? This moment in the story, it's one of the best clues that we have that lead us to believe that these are two spiritually discouraged people. We get more clues as we go along. Verse 17 tells us that when Jesus asks them what they're talking about, that their faces become downcast. Throughout, it talks about how these two, when they're walking, they're talking and discussing. In Greek, these words are really intense. These are really charged verbs. It's more likely that they're arguing, that they're debating, that they're wrestling. They're confused. They're trying to make sense of what's going on. There's an exasperation when Cleopas says to Jesus, how is it possible that you're the only person in this entire city who doesn't know what's going on? I think we're getting a glimpse at some spiritually discouraged people. And very briefly, I just want to answer a couple of questions. How does Jesus interact with these spiritually discouraged people? And for those of us who consider ourselves currently spiritually discouraged, and if you're not right now, hear the good news. You will be. (laughs) 
But for those of us who are currently feeling spiritually discouraged, how might Jesus interact with us? And how do the actions of Jesus teach us and guide us as we meet with and as we interact with those who are spiritually discouraged? So a couple brief observations, and then I'm going to try something together. And I don't know how it's going to go, but we'll see. First, Jesus centralizes the story. I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. Denise did a really good job last week of of, of talking about this. What I simply want to do is I want to help us to draw our attention to and notice that Jesus situates the experience of these two people inside of a much larger context and a much larger narrative. These two people, they're focused on the immediate, on the right now. They're focused on what just happened, and that's so relatable, that's so understandable. Jesus doesn't belittle the experience of these people. Instead, he gives it a larger context. He situates it inside of the larger story. Verse 27, it says, Jesus explained to them what was said in all of the scriptures. It's a big story. Jesus zooms out. And he draws the attention of these two people back to the plan and to the scope of God and the scope of this larger story, this great story that reminds us that things are actually headed somewhere. And when we are spiritually discouraged, that kind of larger context, that kind of a story that engenders and inspires hope, that is so healing and so helpful. I think the question that Jesus begins with at the start of this story is so powerful. Verse 17, I think it is, and he says, what are you discussing together as you walk along? That is the question. For all times, what are you discussing? What story are you telling? What story are you telling in every situation? What story are you telling to yourself? What story are you telling to one another? What is it that you're discussing as you walk along together? I think it's a question of accountability. I think it's a question that brings us back to the heart. Jesus centralizes the story. Second thing we see Jesus do in this scene, Jesus offers presence. Now, some of you might be thinking, wow, these people talk about that word presence a lot around here. And if that's your instinct, I want to let you know that you're right. We do indeed talk about God's presence a lot. One of the theological convictions that are shared among Denise and Ashley and Tim and Kyle and myself, the primary people who teach here, is that from the very beginning of the story, from the very beginning of creation, that God has offered God's presence to human beings as a sign of God's love and care. From the very beginning. Now, some of those ways were weird. A burning bush is weird. A pillar of smoke and fire is weird. Some of the miraculous ways that God protected and provided for God's people are weird. 
But sublimely and perfectly, God's presence was given to humans in the fully human, fully divine person of Jesus. And then to you and I, that presence is still offered, is still given in the promised comforter and advocate, the Holy Spirit, the giver of life, the revealer of truth. God continually offers God's presence to humans. And Jesus does it again in this episode. He shows up and he joins. He joins with these spiritually discouraged people as they are walking. While they are journeying on a hopes-dashed path, Jesus joins them. What I find particularly fascinating, though, is towards the end. Verse 28, it says this, as they approached the village to which they were going, Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. Do you see that weird little detail? Jesus continued on as if he were going farther. Maybe another translation will help you. One translation says this, and I don't remember it. He gave the impression that he was going ahead. Another one, even clearer. He acted like he was going to keep going. Are we to read in this little detail that Jesus pretends? Jesus pretends like he's going to keep walking. Once again, ask Denise next week what this means. She will clear that all up for you. Here's the best way I think I can understand it. I don't think Jesus was interested in forcing his presence on these people. In their spiritually discouraged state, it doesn't appear that because Jesus has been walking with them for a little bit that now they're stuck with him. That they don't have a choice. He's hanging on. I wonder if this isn't a moment where we see another of Jesus' words lived out. Do you remember when Jesus says that my yoke is easy and my burden is light? I wonder if this is a moment where Jesus' presence is easy and light. I wonder if this is a moment where Jesus is saying, I'm going to walk alongside you in your spiritually discouraged state, and I'm not going to force myself on you. After this verse, the the two people, they urge Jesus strongly to stay with them and to keep going with them, and so Jesus does. I wonder if Jesus stays with them because they wanted him to. I wonder if Jesus offers presence and gives it if we really want it. I think this is an act of sensitivity. I think it's an act of respect. I think it's an act where presence is offered but not obligated. Third, Jesus feeds these people. 
There's this interesting twist in the story. These two people, they urge Jesus to stay with them. They invite Jesus to come with them to this lodging. And then when they get there, Jesus turns it around and Jesus becomes the host. It's an interesting thing. Verse 30, when he was at the table, when Jesus was at the table with them, he took bread and he he gave thanks and he broke it and he began to give it to them. Does this sound familiar to anyone? And then the next verse says, then their eyes were opened and they recognized him. It's a moving moment. Jesus is finally recognized by these spiritually discouraged people when he's serving them. Jesus isn't recognized as the master teacher who unlocks all of the mysteries of the scriptures. He's recognized when he is their host. Jesus feeds these two people in a way that would help them to recognize Jesus. Jesus serves them so that they can see what has been true the whole time. What has been true the whole time? That they were in the presence and the company of Jesus, even at their most spiritually discouraged. What a gift. And then finally, Jesus uses these previously discouraged people to encourage other people. When we get towards the end of this passage, there's this light bulb moment They recognize Jesus. They say, oh yeah, that's right. Our hearts were burning in us when we were with him. Something was going on. This light bulb moment comes, and then what happens? These two people, they get up, and they immediately return to Jerusalem. They go back where they just left. They go right back there, and then they find the other disciples. They find the other people who are mourning. They find these other people who are likely as spiritually discouraged as they are, and they say these words. It is true. (laughs) The Lord is risen. It is true. The Lord is risen. And then they tell everybody about what happened to them. They tell everybody about how they met with Jesus. And it's such a moving ending to this episode. The discouragement of these two people does not disqualify them from being used by God to encourage other people. They turn around and they serve as encouragements to others. They return right back to the place of their discouragement so that they can speak truth to those who are still struggling. They initiate I think they initiate a never-ending cycle of encouragement. Think about this. In a couple of weeks, what's going to happen to these people who are gathered together in that space, something dramatic is going to happen. The Holy Spirit is going to fall on these people. And the result of that is going to be the birth of, of the church of Jesus Christ. And so I don't think it's an exaggeration to say you and I are gathered here today as a body in some part because of the encouragement of these two previously spiritually discouraged people. That's amazing. God uses the previously discouraged to encourage others. To everyone we meet who is spiritually discouraged, 
let's gently draw their attention back to the larger story. To the story that reminds us that there is a God who is putting everything back together. Let's offer our presence without being heavy-handed, without being obligatory. Let's find ways to feed and to nourish these heavy spirits, these heavy hearts, so that they will come to see and recognize the goodness of God. And let's never, ever stop encouraging one another telling about what has happened along the way when we were discouraged and when we met Jesus. And that's how I want to end today. I want to end by practicing that a little bit. If you're anything like me, um, I often leave sermons with intentions that are so much bigger and better than my actual follow-through. Anybody have that? I always feel very motivated and excited for about 45 seconds after the, and also with you. And pretty quick, it's off the radar. I I want us to practice something in the room. I don't know how this is going to go. And I think it's going to take some courage from everyone. And uh, the last couple of days, I've just been praying, Holy Spirit, would you lead and guide and speak to those who need to receive? Would you lead and guide and speak those who need to encourage today? In a moment, here's, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask uh, that those of you who are currently spiritually discouraged, I'm going to ask that you would make yourself known to us. And then I'm going to ask some of you who are on the other side of spiritual discouragement uh, to offer your presence and encouraging words to them. And we're just going to make this organic. I'm not going to try to solve all the problems in the room. But I want us to tiptoe into the opportunity to bear one another's burdens and to live out a little bit of this in real time. Are you adequately nervous? I wonder if we can start here. And again, I recognize the courage that it's gonna take for everyone involved. I wonder, um, in a minute, I'm gonna ask those of you who are currently spiritually discouraged because of something to do with your health. it, It might just be kind of the normal breakdown of getting older. There might be something that's come up recently that is nagging and really annoying that you can't shake. There may be a diagnosis that came recently. You may be waiting on a diagnosis, so you're in a limbo period. And you're just feeling discouraged. I wonder in a second here if you would either stand or you would raise your hand and let us know. And then I wonder for those of you in the room who are on the other side of a health cause discouragement if you would go and you would offer words of encouragement now here's what I'm trusting I'm trusting that you don't need to ask the person for a bunch of details we're going to rely on the Holy Spirit who knows each one of us intimately to give you words to lead you in a way to speak some things to someone that would be encouraging 
And some of it just might be surrounding and knowing that this person is not alone. So I wonder, would there be people in the room who would acknowledge and admit today that you're spiritually discouraged and it has something to do with your health? And you would let us encourage you. Yeah. Some folks around here. And I wonder, church, would some of you come and surround these, surround these people and would you speak words of encouragement? Spirit, would you give words to those who will surround? Will you speak through these others? God, would words of encouragement and hope be in abundance today? guess that there are some of you in the room who are currently spiritually discouraged because something's happening relationally in your world. That something's broken down. That there's lack of communication. That there's been a a breach of trust. For some of you, there's a significant connection in your life that is severed right now. And it's got you feeling really spiritually discouraged. I wonder if you would let us know if you'd stand or you would raise a hand and you would let us can I see you, thank you that you would let us come around you and you would let us encourage you as you negotiate these relational difficulties a couple folks over here could use some encouragement could use a couple of voices a couple people who would bear burdens be reminded that even in the midst of other relational difficulty and brokenness, that we as the church do our best to bear one another's burdens, to be present with one another. if there's there are some of you who are I'm just going to lump a bunch of things together here who are sort of discouraged vocationally for some of you you just you may feel stuck and unsure how you make a meaningful contribution in this world maybe maybe you feel like you're in a job right now that is so far away from what gets you fired up and brings you life and joy. Maybe you've been desperately wanting to find a job and that's struggled. Maybe you're in a spot that is so hard for you but you feel trapped and you can't get out. Maybe for some of you, you feel like you're in a season right now that doesn't have a vocational identity at all and you don't know what to do that. And it's leaving you spiritually discouraged. Would you help us to know? I see here. I see you. Thank you. A couple of people here who could use some encouragement to try to make some sense of 
what it means to be in the world and to make a meaningful contribution, that vocational discouragement. what it means for us to be a Jesus people for the sake of the world is not just outside of the however many walls are in this meeting space. Part of being a Jesus people means that we care for one another well. Is that we find ways that we in this context can bear one another's burdens. That in these ways that we might be more like Jesus for and with one another. So I'm grateful for the willingness and courage and friends may we be on the lookout as we leave this place as we continue to say God how might you use me to nourish to feed to point toward a better story and to encourage Jesus calls us into the places he's already been calls us to be an encourager, one who points to the story, one who bears another burden, one who feeds and nourishes, one who offers presence. Jesus has done that. And every single time we come to a table every week, we're reminded in a physical way of that. We come here, and in a mysterious way, the presence of Jesus is given to us yet again. That a story, the story, the capital S story is reproclaimed. That we are fed by the great host. And that our hearts, individually and collectively, are encouraged. And so I say with you, the Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. And let us give thanks to the Lord, our God. So in a spirit of gratitude, God, we thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for the life of Jesus. We thank you for the guidance and the leadership of the Holy Spirit. And so, Spirit, would you make for us from these simple elements food that would nourish us and a story that would encourage us and would spur us on. So Jesus, in another episode, told the disciples the story of his great love for the world and told it with a couple of physical elements. And he took bread and broke it. And he said, this is my body given to you. So take it and eat it. And the same way, he took a cup and he blessed it. 
And he gave it to them and said, take and drink this. This is a new promise, a new promise in my love. So take and eat and drink it. Every time you do, you retell this great story. A story that we do our best to summarize with these simple phrases. So I invite you to say them together. Christ has died. Christ is risen. And Christ will come again. So there are places over here in each one of these aisles for you to eat together. There will be people who will be willing to continue to, in a spirit of prayer with you, we'll sing a little bit together. Let's continue to follow after where God is leading us. So friends, come and take and eat. Receive who you are, the body of Christ.